In 2024, the Triathlon Hour is brought to you by The Feed. Thefeed.com is a website that has all of the world's best training and race day nutritional products in one place. The Feed's goal is to help you experiment with and ultimately find what nutritional products work best for you to get the most out of your performance in training and racing. They have almost 200 brands in stock, so you can buy as much from one brand as you want or as little as one gel from a brand. And I really do think that's the big benefit is you can try one thing from every brand and that way you'll find exactly what it is that you love and works for you. And having it all at one place at thefeed.com makes it convenient to do so. There's no more having to go to multiple websites and pay for shipping on them all and wait for them to come on different days or drive around to multiple shops. You can just get everything you need at thefeed.com and have it all shipped to your front door together so it arrives at the same time. Good morning or afternoon or whatever time it is where you are, everyone. Uh, Fred and myself are back for our monthly edition of answering your questions. And obviously, this week's edition will be a big one with the T100 tour announcement and uh, answering all of your questions related to that. Fred, I was going through the questions. We had about 500, uh, which is our most ever. Uh, and one of the the big questions we were asked, so I won't specifically name who asked who asked it because there was probably like 50 people who asked it. They wanted to know what the contract negotiations were like between the T100 tour and the athletes who got the contracts behind the scenes. So I thought we'd just start there and and you could tell us because you're one of the athletes, congratulations, by the way, who got a T100 tour contract. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jack. Um, actually, there were no negotiations at all. Um, I mean, there's like fixed marketing sums in the, in the contracts, um, depending on um, the ranking you qualified. So, yeah, and Sam, I think, even said in your podcast um, that he's going to release this um, or their PTO is going to release also how much money we are actually getting um, just out of the contract. So, um, yeah, without even like the, the price money and everything. Uh, so, yeah, this was a fixed sum and you could either accept it or yeah decline it. But um, I have to say it was better um, than I expected. I, I would have done it for less already. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely happy with my contract. So the contract just said to you, like you just got it emailed to you and your manager, I assume, and the contract just said, hey, you get, and this is just a hypothetical number, you know, $80,000 for the year um, as a marketing like part of the contract, which is, you know, you go and do all their media, um, anything they ask you to do as well as compete in the series. Yeah, exactly. So it just stated like what you have to do um, in the end to actually receive uh, all all that money and, and how much you receive it. Uh, so yeah, basically that you have to race uh, at least five races plus the grand final, so six races. Um, yeah, and of course, um, yeah, make good uh, marketing uh, when you're there at the at the races, um, putting out Instagram stories and all that stuff. So it's, it's like a normal contract, I would say, and um, yeah. So, but yeah, nothing you could could negotiate. And are you going to tell us how much your one was for? I mean, I can say it already. I think because it's going to be released anyway. So, um, I was in that um, yeah, that rankings around me. I qualified uh, on fourteenth uh, position. Um, 
So I suppose actually without the, the wild cards is already third um, to last. So behind me, there's only Aaron Royal and David McNamee, I think. Uh, oh no, Clement Mignot was also, I think, one position behind me. So fourth to last. Um, and yeah, around that um, position, you're getting uh, 70,000 basically just for um, yeah taking part in, in the tour. And it's without the prize money. Um, so in the end, because when you finish a race um, outside of the top 10, so we have finished last position, you still get um, $2,000. Uh, it's in US dollars, by the way. Um, so you have in the end of the series, you have a guaranteed sum of uh, 100,000 US dollars in my case. Wow. That's really good money, isn't it? It is good. But um, I got to say, I think I already said it once that like, in my position, actually, um, if it's really just about the money, um, there would be a better way for me to to earn money because I've got a lot of sponsor bonuses for like things like the championship in Summerine, uh, 70.3 Worlds, and um, like 17 point German and or Austrian 70.3 and uh, challenge races um so yeah if i would go and say i will i will only race those and now this year it will be even easier because the best gonna race the pto tour and would win all of all those or like go all in for the 70.3 worlds i think actually with my sponsor bonuses i could uh, get away with more money in the end than that um but uh, yeah of course that's not what i'm doing the sport for so like uh, i want to race the best in the world and this is a great opportunity um not not just for me and um yeah i think it's it's of course still a really really good money so don't get me wrong it's just like not the that uh how i could earn the the most money like based just on my contracts because um i mean obviously i would earn more if i would podium in every single pto race then of course i earn even more but um yeah that's that's gonna be pretty hard <laughs> i think maybe i'm not just there yet maybe um I, my goal is definitely to maybe get uh, get a podium this year at I mean, I have basically eight chances. Um, so, yeah, definitely looking forward to the two exciting times uh, for the sport. All right. Enough about you. Let's get into the questions, mate. Uh, I'll start. Steve and Joyce, I'm going to do a double question. Two people asked a question that I think leads into the same conversation. So we'll, we'll, we'll just ask both of them and then, we'll, uh, and then I'll get throw to you for your answer, Fred. Steve and Joyce asks, do you think that 10 guaranteed contracts – but 2025 is going to make it hard for athletes to get into the T100 series? And is there a big barrier to entry? And Esteban Bovaldino asks, how should the relegation and promotion system work in T100? Um, yeah, that's a, I think that's a question which is already most talked about since uh, the, the PTO came out with the release of the T100 tour. So yeah, that basically it's really hard to get into the into the tour. I mean, you you've got the top ten um, in the end of the of the world tour who automatically qualifies for the following year, and I think that's already um, a fair thing, and I think that should definitely stay. Um, but then, which makes it even harder, I think, is that because these races are um, based on. Uh, yeah, world rankings, uh, world ranking points, uh, like the highest category races. So um, even the people or athletes who are not finishing inside the top ten, I think, gonna score as much points that they're gonna be, um, yeah, probably 
11s to um, 20s uh, in in the uh, world ranking so and then it's like probably the same athletes who qual or like at least the same 16 athletes uh, who qualify uh, for the next year and then basically only the four for wild cards which are changed around so i think yeah there has to be something which makes it a little bit easier but on the other hand this this is the uh, series with the 20 best athletes in the world and it shouldn't be an easy thing to to qualify for that i mean yeah you should be able to win um let's say uh, like gold races for sure i think any athlete who is in, inside of the top 20 is, is able to do that um and i think if you can do that then it's possible to um yeah be ranked ranked fairly high to actually maybe make the qualification or at least like get a wild card and then have the chance to make even more points there and then uh, make the qualification over the world ranking um but but yeah i think it as long there are really only 20 spots uh, for this series, I think it should be like really hard. Um, yeah, I have to say it was the easiest definitely now for the first year. Um, and it's definitely just going to be harder and harder. But um, yeah, and it's also not, on the other hand, not the best maybe to change around every year, like 20 athletes. I mean, the PTO want to build like um, the season-long narrative um for the athletes and uh they want to make a three-hour race uh, exciting to watch and it's only going to be possible if you like know the athletes and know all the athletes uh, know how they are going to race um maybe yeah you're a fan of of some of the a big fan of some of them and yeah it may be ident identified with some of the athletes and yeah if these athletes like just going to be changed around every year uh i think it actually makes it less interesting um yeah, and at the end of the end of the day, it's still the twenty best in the world. So, um, yeah, that's my opinion about it. What do you think? I'm really torn about this one. This is the thing I've been thinking about most uh, since the oh, probably the last few months, even before the announcement. To be honest, because on one hand, it's like okay, maybe the system's not perfect, but if the if the PTO tour or the T100 tour disappeared tomorrow, the sport would be in a worse place, wouldn't it? So. Uh, like Ironman and Challenger's role actually becomes really important because if the T100 Tour is going to stay around and it's going to have a big barrier to entry and there's a lot of deserving athletes who probably should be racing or could be racing but aren't racing and that's not fair, well, then Ironman and Challenge need to stay basically how they are in the sport so that those people have a way to race and make money and further their career. Um, which is which is really what's been happening, you know, 2018, like if you go 2018, 2019, all the way back to the start of triathlon, like the PTO wasn't around then, was it? So that's what's already been happening. So it's not like it's hugely different. It's just more that there's there's now this, this um, competition that some people can't get into and they feel like they should be allowed into or they want to race in and they, they're missing out and that pisses them off or annoys them or it annoys fans of them or maybe it seems unfair to some fans. And yeah, while that stuff's true, even if it is, like let's say even for the next five years, if we just had the same 20 athletes, male and female, it would, the sport would still be better off for having the T100 tour there. Like even if it was a completely closed um, tour. Now, that's not to say I want that because I definitely don't want that. And I have a bit of a problem with it because, for example, I don't think we have the 20 best men 
or 20 best women this year. I think the women's very, 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 very close, maybe with like two or three athletes different. Uh, but I think the men, you know, maybe there's like five, six, seven, maybe even a touch more um, athletes who could be in there, but, but aren't. And I just want to see the best racing the best. Um, I also want like triathlon. I, I went back and looked at like the top 20 athletes at the end of season for like every year for the last 10 years. And it does change a lot. It really does change a lot. And like from, from like, say like 2020 to 2022, the, the, the athlete rankings are very different and the people who you'd consider like the five best in the sport, it probably, it does change quite a bit. So you don't want it to be super closed off. Um, and your point about the, the tour, like every T100 tour race being one of the highest ranked races so that even if you finish 10th there, you're going to get as much points as someone who goes and wins like Ironman cans, for example, which probably aren't, you know, that, that probably isn't that fair. So it's, it's, yeah, it's not a perfect system. The, the thing is, I don't really have a solution. Like what's the solution? We, we open it up again at the end of every year and we make like heaps of Ironman and challenge races uh, graded the same as a T100 tour, even if some of them aren't as hard to win. I don't know. I don't have, I don't really have a solution. Um, I think like maybe something obvious, Fred, and I wouldn't mind getting your opinion about this is maybe 20 is too low. Maybe it does need to be like 30 athletes. Um, like I know I really enjoyed um, the European Open last year. It was probably my favorite race outside of the women's race in Kona for, for the whole year. But I found um, Singapore super boring. Like I thought, oh, this was a race that needed more athletes to, to sort of deepen the field and make it more competitive. I thought both races were not, not the most um, spectator-friendly races. So if you open up to 30 people and you say you have 10 or 15, um, you know, guaranteed places for the following year, that then opens up 15 to 20 additional places. And I think you could pretty, um, pretty fairly and accurately get the 30 best athletes in the world or like pretty close to, and then I don't think athletes can complain. Cause it's like, if you can't be in the, the 30 best athletes for the year, then you've just got to, you know, be better, not bitter about it. Whereas 20 is a very small number for how many pro athletes there are. Um, yeah, a few things on that. So, like Singapore, I mean, I wouldn't say there were the twenty best athletes um, on on the men's side and on the women's side. So, I think that's what made uh, made it a bit boring. I think that this year the races with the twenty athletes will definitely be a lot different. And um, if you take the European Open as an example, Ibiza, um, there I think you probably got actually the thirty best athletes. Um, do you agree on that? It was close, yeah. Yeah, and but I was 19th in the end, and I didn't play a role to the race. So I think it's not that it needs 30 athletes for the race to be exciting. Um, it's it's like it was only the top tw- yeah top 15 in Ibiza who um, yeah f- fought for like yeah top 10 for the podium and for the, for the win, but but anyone like uh, who was ar- around me like was always um at the back and like you couldn't didn't see me a single time in that race because i mean i had a a shit day and everything but yeah that's a different story so i think it's not um because it's like only 20 athletes i think it needs really like the 20 best at every race but um what i think would be a great solution um is to open i mean you have these 20 athletes contracted for the series 
and then um the athletes who are not racing yeah it's going to be filled up with like extra wild cards and then you can still open i think every race to the next 10 best uh ranked athletes uh, maybe in, in the world ranking so you got each um race you got 30 athletes but these extra 10 athletes they are not contracted so they're not getting any like contract money but they have a chance to fight for the prize money and also fight for the series if they manage to um, get actually four races in or if they manage to actually qualify over the ranking um for four races i think that wouldn't would be a good idea and you could still write this season-long narrative about the top 20 athletes who are uh, contracted i don't mind that um y- your point about the you know if you had had 30 there it wouldn't have made the race more exciting well i disagree because kyle smith and tom bishop were at the front of that race all day and they're not racing in the t100 tour series this year so just because you were 19th and didn't play a role doesn't mean others couldn't step in and do that like well yeah but they were they were in the top 15 yeah but they're not so, now and they're not racing the t100 tour yeah no yeah that's true i mean no that's that's a different different point like of course there should be um yeah some some athletes in uh, in the tour who are not of course um i mean we have so many um it's like the level is so high that actually almost everyone from the top 50 would deserve a spot in in the tour i think and uh, yeah that's that that's i think what's what makes it so hard and that's what makes um makes this discussion yeah and it's that like that's why i think 30 might end up being a better number it's not because every 30 one of those athletes is going to play a role in every race it's just so that it's enough people that you know you can't really complain anymore about if you're not getting in there because it's i think 30 spots is enough in our sport that if you can't make it inside the top 30 you probably don't deserve to be there anyway and you you need to do the work to get there whereas it just taking out those 10 like yeah, t- twenty people. It's not very much, and and it w- there is always going to be at least ten people who probably should be racing that aren't. Um, and, and like, it just helps with narratives. And you know, sometimes people have good races, sometimes people have bad races. So it probably means that you're more guaranteed to get an amazing race. I think the more people you have, the more guaranteed you either have an amazing race. Um, you obviously can't have fifty people because it's financially impossible, and it's impossible to tell all those stories. But yeah, like. I think 25, 30, somewhere in there, we might we might find a, a more happy medium and then it sort of gets rid of all the, the complaining that will happen for it being a closed tour. But anyway, uh, good discussion. I mean, it's a good thing with the PTO. They, they listen to it and 100% if after this year, um, 20 athletes were, were boring or they think um, 30 athletes is better, um, then it's definitely going to be 30 for, for next year. So I'm not worried about that. You've all heard me rave about Pillar Performance's Triple Magnesium Powder for over a year now, but my second favorite product from Pillar has to be their Ultra Immune C. We all know the key to triathlon training is consistency, and nothing wrecks your consistency more than getting sick every five to six weeks. I've been using Pillar's Ultra Immune C drink for a while now, and I can honestly say that I feel like I've been getting sick a lot less. Like I haven't had those periods of four, five, six days where I can't do anything and can't leave the house and can't train because I've got a cold or another you know, chest infection. It, it honestly just hasn't been happening. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say that's because of Ultra Immune C, but I feel like it is. Um, Ultra Immune C from Pillar Performance not only contains vitamin C, which has well-known immunity benefits, but it also contains zinc and vitamin D. And this is one of the reasons I started taking in June last year at the start of um, the, the Southern Hemisphere's winter and haven't stopped since. 
So if you're slogging it out through the winter, particularly if you're in America or Europe now where it is winter and you're spending way too much time inside and you're doing all your training inside, then grab yourself some pillar ultraimmune C. It doesn't just have vitamin C, it has zinc, it has vitamin D, all things that are going to benefit your immune system. Uh, and if you do want to grab that or anything from Pillar Performance, then make sure you use the discount code TTH15 for 15% off your first order. We didn't really touch on like how exactly we think the relegation and promotion system should should be sort of um, brought in in 2025, and um, which was what Esteban uh, Bolvaldino asked. Um, and like we know what's going to happen, and we talked about what's going to happen. I- I'm with you that I think the top ten should stay. So I reckon that's fine. Like the top ten should stay, but I do reckon they should open like they should be more open to the idea of, of swapping out some more people. Um, so like just to specifically say what I think it should be is I think it should be 25 or 30, not 20. And then the top 10 from the PTO series um, or the T100 series the previous year, so 2024, they're guaranteed contracts. Um, if it's 30, I think that should be the top 15. If it's 20 or 25, then I think it should only be the top 10. Um, and then from there, I think that – the um, like the Ironman 70.3 and the Ironman world champion and the Olympic champion should all get um, spots. I think that could be fun. And then from there, I just think it should be race uh, rankings based, um, like literally just next in line. What, what do you think? But what if the Ironman 70.3 world champion, Ironman world champion and Olympic, Olympic champion is all Christian Bloomfield? Yep, then he gets offered. And <laughs> that, that's fine. Like, don't, don't you think? No, of course, yeah. I mean, the, probably these, I mean, the athletes who would win the 713 Worlds, the Ironman World Champs and Olympic Games, These, are, if it's like three different athletes, these are anyway three athletes who would definitely get a wild card. So there's there's no question about that. Um, yeah, but I think maybe the ranking has to be adjusted a bit. So actually that the PTO um, races are not getting as high points i mean it, it's hard because they definitely deserve i mean you're racing the best in the world and then you actually are not really able to race anything else so it also would be shit if um like the athletes racing the pto series don't really get the points uh, they deserve for these races um but on the other hand um maybe there should be a separate ranking where all the pto races are like um yeah taken out and then maybe you could say even the if you make it up to 30 athletes maybe even the top 12 or top 15 of the series qualifies and then um the top yeah top 15 um or top 10 from the rank ranking without the pto races uh, plus you got them former wild cards or something like that what about if instead of taking out the pto races you just took out the pto contracted athletes because what happens if throughout the year there's eight T100 tour races and you know 10 people who aren't contracted race as wild cards and have really good results but aren't contracted for the season so should like let's say for example Yuri Kulin he's not contracted but he comes in and races Singapore and wins Singapore and then if you took out all the the contracted T100 uh, tour athletes at the end of the year he was the number one ranked athlete outside of it don't you think that that race should still count to him, like potentially getting a contract the following year? I mean, yeah, yeah, probably. Um, but in the end, if you do that, it's also a little bit 
don't want to say unfair, but like for the uh, athlete who finishes just outside of the direct qualification for the next year, let's say, for example, I finish um, the top 10 qualifiers, I finish 11th at the end of this uh, end of the um, year, and I didn't race anything else but PTO. So then, uh, but I always, let's say on some races, maybe I even got, maybe I even made a podium or something, or maybe let's say I won one race and was shit in all the other races, which made me get 11 or something. So yeah, there must be a solution to to that then as well. Like, um, or what just a, definitely a good solution is maybe to have like one uh, big qualification race. Um, you can make it like one day before the before the grand final um, at the at the same place uh, for for like let's say everyone um, who is not in the in the PTO tour and is top fifty in the ranking qualifies for for that race and. Yeah, the top three or top two or maybe just the first gets like a golden ticket as well for um uh for, for that series. It would make that also really exciting. Okay, so now we're getting into and by the way, we're just finding out how hard this is because every solution you come up with have has a problem, doesn't it? It's yeah, like true, so true. hard. But yeah, this this conversation you're bringing up is exactly what I agree with. I just didn't say it because I'm almost like 99% positive it won't happen yet uh, just based on what I'm hearing. But clearly the best solution to all of this and the solution that no one can argue with or get really upset by is that if we put aside, you know, five slots, um, for example, and we did a race at the grand final where everyone who's not contracted comes and races and the top five who finish you know top five males top five females from that race get a contract for the next year so like obviously it doesn't take into your account your whole body of work from the year but there'll probably be another five slots for people who have had a good year and don't have a good race there but it's like it's like the u.s olympic marathon trials or other countries that have uh, olympic trials you can't argue with it like maybe you're not the fastest for that year but the, the race where it mattered and where it counted and where you had the chance to get yourself and win yourself into it, you either you either succeed or you don't. And that's that it like at, at its core, that is professional sport. So I think it takes out a lot of the hate. You know, like if you had like they the PTO, they compare themselves to F1 in the way they do things a lot. If you had, and this would never happen in that sport, but let's say for example, if at the grand final of the the F1 race, the the everyone from f2 or f3 or however it works raced and the top five got given contracts if they all had the same car no one would complain about it and it would be really fun um so i think like that is a really obvious solution like let's say you had let's say we make it 25 athletes get contracts in 2025 the 10 highest finishes from the the t100 tour guaranteed locked in um okay we're also going to have five wild cards so that's 15 slots we're also going to have five slots for for this event that's going to be at the grand final. Um, so the top five finishers get that. Um, so that's 20 slots. And then five more for the highest ranked athletes outside of the T100 tour races. But that, that seems super fair, don't you think? Yeah, it would be definitely a, a good system. But um, yeah, let, let's see how, how it will happen after this year. And let's see um, yeah, who of the athletes are actually still there um next season uh in the t100 tour because you still have to take into account like injuries um illness so i think in the end i think there will be some big switches like there will be the top 10 and probably the other 10 athletes are completely going to be changed out because yeah because of several reasons hoppers one two three four five asks 
have the professionals been given the courses for the T100 races? Uh, no, we haven't. I mean, um, yeah, for Miami and Singapore, yes. Um, but yeah, for nothing further than that. I think Singapore is going to be the same like uh, last year and uh, Miami is just going to be in the, on the NASCAR track, same like the Clash Miami in the last years. I think this is one thing the PTO need to get right and it's what WTCS have gotten so horribly wrong over the years and why why it's quite boring to watch is we need exciting courses. Like we don't need crit bike courses. We need hilly bike courses. We need sections that, you know, we need we need courses that that are actually fun to watch that have um, you know, really tricky sections to them that split up the race and that we can talk about. Like the Tour de France would be the most boring thing in the world if every single day was a sprint stage no one would really watch it it's the mountaintop finishes it's the the hilly time trials it's the you know um cobbled days it's the the rainy days it's it's all those things that actually make people watch the tour de france so this is one thing i reckon the pto need to get right yeah i agree with that as a, as a good cyclist especially um but yeah what what just watching locations for this year yeah it's I don't think there's going to be like a really tough course. Um, I mean, I'm talking about bike courses now. Yeah. It's probably most going to be, yeah. I know. Like like Singapore, Ibiza, Milwaukee. Yeah. But it, at least, uh, I mean, with the 20-meter rule, it's, it's definitely always fair. I mean, even on a flat course, it's always really, really hard on a bike. So I'm not worried about that. But yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. But they can, I think like... Bike and run, the, like the courses yeah. just need to be harder. Like if there was a run course that had a 5K hill in it, people would love it. And I think like, yes, we need the great locations. I understand for broadcast that's like clearly either they've identified it as important or they've been directly told it's important. But come on, like for the fans and like it doesn't matter how much the broadcasters like London as a city if people don't want to watch it. So I think – like triathlon can be known as the the world's hardest sport but you've got to give courses that make it obvious to the fans that this is the world's hardest sport and i don't think the crit style courses make that obvious um so yeah we got to compete with things like the tour de france i know that like the tennis and the golf and the f1 um uh like ref get referenced a lot with what the the pto are trying to achieve but i actually just completely disagree i don't think triathlon is anything like any of those sports and the fans are completely different the fans are more like people who want to watch um the tour de france for example and people want to watch the tour de france because it looks insanely hard the mountaintop finishes are crazy the hilly time trials are crazy you know people crashing on the cobbles is crazy that's what we've got to go more towards yeah i agree wiggles 2808 asks which T100 race will be the most stacked? We probably don't even need to talk about this, do we? It'll be the grand final. Yeah, but uh, interesting here. I mean, yeah, on the grand final, you have the top 20. Um, I mean, you have to everyone who's contracted. Um, so you already know who's going to race the grand final unless yeah, someone is injured or, or sick. But I was thinking um, for the woman, it will be... Um, I ibiza and for the man it will be las vegas because there are going to be so many wild cards and it will be after the olympics like i think for the men it will be like 10 uh athletes not racing who are contracted because they're racing in kona the week after in las vegas so there might be like 10 short distance athletes um racing uh, after the olympics in las vegas so 
that will definitely going to be interesting. And for the woman, the same in uh, Ibiza. Great point, especially if like the real big dogs step up and race, like if Georgia Taylor Brown races and if Alex Yee race and Hayden Wild races and, and that kind of thing. You're right. That that could completely change everything. Uh, it will be definitely the probably most interesting races apart yeah. from the grand final. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, Fred. I'd thought about the fact that the they would the men and women wouldn't be at two different races, but I hadn't thought about the fact that there might be like you know five to ten WTCS people come in for both of those races. Good point. Uh, moving on, Sanford underscore asks: Do you think the PTO would have gotten all of the women to sign if it was a Kona year and not a niche year for the Ironman World Championships? Mm, good question. Um, I th- I think so. I mean, the only athlete really uh, who really stated that she's going to race um, T100 instead of Nice is, is Lucy. But I think she would have still signed uh, if, it, if it was a Kona year. And then she just would have done both. Um, and I think from, for all the other um, women who signed, I think they're just really, really up for it. And they just want to also race uh, the, the best in the world as, as much as possible. So I think it wouldn't, wouldn't change. What do you think? Yeah, I'm really, I don't think it would have changed too much. It might change the races that people do and how seriously they take um, some of the T100 races, like the Lucy example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like she definitely would have still taken her T100 contract, but she would have had a very different year. Like she would have definitely been focusing on Kona, I believe. Um, and like we're going to see it with the men. They've got Kona and Sam Laidlow. He's still signed for the, the T100 tour, but I think he's definitely going to target Kona, isn't he? So we're more seeing it with the men. Um, and Christian's probably the, the big one um, who could have signed but didn't sign. If the Olympics weren't around this year, and it was just because of Kona, I think Christian would have signed at the T100 tour and done Kona as well. So yeah, I'm with you, Fred. I don't think uh, I don't think it will change anything or would have changed anything. I've been using a lever movement system for months now, and I honestly have no idea why I didn't start using it years ago when I first heard about lever. Um, for those of you who don't know what a lever movement system is, it's a system that you take to your treadmill, like I take mine to the gym um, when I go to the treadmill at the gym, or if you're lucky enough to have a treadmill at home, you can just take it to your, your home treadmill, and you, you attach it to your treadmill, and then from there it attaches to your hips so that it takes weight off while you run. And I'd been struggling with consistency in my running for years, like literally two to three years. And I think I was a bit heavier than I used to be and just constantly getting niggles and injuries. So I decided to buy a lever movement system as like a last resort to try and fix it basically and get back into my running, uh, mainly because I saw heaps of pro triathletes and runners using them on Instagram. And it it just changed everything for me. I I just recently finished a four-week training camp with some pro triathletes and I was able to run 84 kilometers in a week there, which is the most I've ran in a single week in over two years. And I really do think it was all because of the consistency I found by using my lever movement system uh, a few times a week. I've completely gotten over a persistent lower limb and, and foot niggle I was getting from running the past couple of years. And yeah, I'm positive. I'm positive it's completely because of the load I was taking off um, two to three runs a week. And so if you're someone like me who struggles with finding consistency in your running because of niggles or persistent injuries, or like you just want to increase your your mileage a bit more safely, or even just as a preventative measure against injury in general, in general with your running, then I truly can't recommend getting yourself a lever movement system enough. They're awesome. And it's just one of those purchases that I can rec- recommend so comfortably knowing you 100% will not regret it. 
Um, so if you do want to try one for yourself, then you can head to their website and, and when you check out, make sure you, you use the discount code TTH, which gets you 20% off your order. John M419 asks, will winning the Ironman Pro Series be looked at as a big deal or because of the PTO being where all the big, being where all the big names are, will people not really care? Oh, I see. I, uh, I don't think anyone will care. I think it completely depends on who wins it and, and how it plays out. Um, but I think if it's an athlete like Gustav Eden, people will care. And I don't want this to be, I don't want to like, I don't really even want to name anyone because, but if it's just a lower ranked athlete who wins it, who no one really sees as one of the best in the world, I think people will stop caring about those rankings pretty early. And really, um, the athletes who are in contention of it are, are the ones who will really care. Um, I think Ironman got a few things wrong with it. Like uh, three Ironmans is too many. I wish they had have just had it as two. I reckon if they yeah, had have just had it as two. Then it would be interesting. Yeah, then it would be really interesting and it would be far more competitive. Um, but not many people are capable of doing three big Ironman races, including world championships, and then still having to race other races um, to try and make money. It's just it's going to be hard. I think, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it will be looked at as like a really big deal. I think it will be looked at as like a, oh, yeah, like a, you know, you won that because other people weren't there. What do you think? I mean, on the one side for the woman, you just get rewarded um, for racing three Ironmans in 10 weeks or something because that's what you have to, I think, to win the, win the series. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think you have to start with with uh, um, Texas. Texas, and your last chance is uh, Ironman in July. I just don't know which is it, but I think after like you have to race from end of April until July. You have to do three Ironmans. Well, no, because you can also do the the Ironman World Championships in Nice. Oh yeah, right. Uh, the I forgot the World Champs. Yes, but but if in case you like, um, yeah, wouldn't qualify. Yeah. But but yeah, I think um, uh, yeah, I, I also also think um, people won't really really care about the winner of the Ironman Pro Series. But of course, which is way more important, the winner of uh, Nice and Nice and Kona. Um, so yeah, I think um, Ironman shouldn't get discouraged by it though. I just think in twenty twenty five they should make some changes to make it more exciting. Like I reckon, I actually think the Ironman Pro Series can be big because. Let's be honest, we all want the the T100 tour and the PTO to succeed, but at this stage, it it's like still very much in its uh, uh, embryonic stage. We're not sure if it's going to stick around, whereas we know Ironman have enough money and an, like a big enough audience and participating audience that they're going to be around in 10 years' time. And the Pro Series can be a really like big thing for the next decade if they just make some subtle adjustments and make it two Ironman races. So. In 2024, no, it won't be that big a deal. It's going to be really exciting for the athletes who get 200 grand because they've won it. And it's going to uh, mean there's more money for people who can't be in the T100 tour, which we love. It's amazing. Um, but I do actually think going forward, the Pro Series has potential to be really good. Um, I just think 2024, it won't be cared about too much. Um, there's going to be some big rivalries in the, the T100 tour racing next year. Daniel Backergaard and Max Newman, for example, big rivalry because of uh, the cocky situation, which we don't talk about. Um, Sam Laidlow and Rudy Von Berg, obviously the, the whole doping uh, situation, creating a big rivalry there. But Lucho underscore Marek asks, how disappointed is Fred 
that his number one rival, Yuri Kulin, didn't get a PTO contract in 2024? Uh, I actually shouldn't, shouldn't, comment, shouldn't comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, first of all, he's not my rival. Um, he never beat me fair and square um, <laughs> in his career. And second of all, he wouldn't have, I'm going to be honest here, he wouldn't have deserved a contract because the PTO, PTO points, um, like two of the two of the races, which are in his top three scores, um, was definitely, yeah, with uh, a lot of like, cheating to say it, um, yeah, just to, to say it easy. Um, and, but yeah, on the other hand, um, if he may, if he gets a contract, then uh, like fair, um, I respect him for that. It's, uh, it's nothing against him, uh, personally. And, um, yeah. And then uh, at the PTO races, um, there's going to be, um, uh, race ranger, 20 meter rule referees. So then it's a bit completely different story. So. I don't really care about it. <laughs> Just go after him there for two minutes, but I don't really care. Um, yeah, the PTO need to make that happen. That is like that is the number one rivalry in male triathlon right now. Yuri Kulin first Fred <laughs> Funk. Like the PTO, I don't know what they're missing there. I wouldn't call it a rivalry. It's like it's uh, you know just to get into the story. I don't know if everyone knows, but I was just the one who called him out. But it's it's not like, and he just uh, basically hates me for it. But it's I'm not the only one thinking thinking it and knowing it. Um, so yeah. Didn't you two nearly get in a fight after one of the races? Well, I mean, <laughs> I I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> we don't condone violence, by the way. But that's pretty funny. Um, it's definitely a rivalry. And uh, even when you're saying it's not a rivalry, you haven't digs at him. So, yep, here the it's uh, that's a big one that we're going to miss out in, on in 2024 if you, Yuri doesn't get <laughs> yeah. a, a wild card that'd, to one of the races. That'll make some some good videos probably. Yeah, yeah, they should have the cameras ready for for when you two both cross the line together. If uh, if your past <laughs> behaviour is anything to to go by, <laughs> let's move on. Angaista. <laughs> I'm sure she asked already last time. It's a really hard name. <laughs> or he. Say <laughs> Do you it again. Iron, Ironman races will be less competitive. What, who, in, what was the name again? Who asked it? Engagda. <laughs> Angaida. Engagda. <laughs> we we I'm pretty sure we had the same name the last podcast. It is an impossible name, isn't it? Don't even say oh, how Oh, you it's just spelled. copied it. <laughs> it's a different question <laughs> but like uh, like people should try and guess how this name is spelt and they 100% won't get it right but yeah I'm sorry to to uh, do you think Ironman races will be less competitive in 2024 uh, yes I do you um, yeah but Kona won't be and Nice won't be I think but Nice will be you think it will be less competitive just because Lucy's not racing? Yeah, I think a lot of people. I think there's, uh, from what I'm hearing, Fred, I don't know what you're hearing, but I think there's a couple of other uh, women who won't be taking Nice as seriously as what they took Kona in 2023. Yeah, maybe. I think Kona is going to be super competitive, though. Uh, and I do think that like people like Magnus and Sam, uh, for example, 
will stop caring about the T100 tour for a little bit to to make Kona their number one goal for the year. Like I think Sam Laidlaw and Magnus Ditlev, their number one race for the year is still Kona, even though they're signed to the T100 tour. And obviously we had Patrick Langer who uh, forwent, I should say, his T100 tour contract to race Kona and try and win that for a third time. And then we have Christian Blumenfeld, who's not racing to try and win Kona. So I definitely think that Kona will be the strongest men's race of the year. Um, even even over the T100 races. I think Nice won't be close to as strong as any of the T100 races for the females. Um, and But overall, I think Ironman racing, like Ironman Cairns, Ironman Texas, um, Ironman Victoria, Ironman Hamburg, Ironman Frankfurt, I think even though those kind of races are you know part of the, P, the Ironman Pro Series, I still think they'll be a bit weaker. Yeah, I mean, what does weaker mean? Like, yeah, probably you will have this one or two names who are usually racing there, uh, who are now racing the T100 series that won't be there. Um, but like I said before, the level um, is so insanely high in triathlon uh, now that, yeah, even if you don't have the big names there, you have some like, yeah, it's still a stacked field and there will be still crazy performances. Um, yeah, from athletes uh, who are there, just not in the top 20. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just how you define um, competitive field, but probably a bit less competitive, yeah. Well, for example, um, like let's say hypothetically that if you didn't have the T100 Tour but you had the Ironman Pro Series, I think you might get people like Magnus Ditlev and Sam Laidlow um, uh, and Patrick Langer and Gustav Eden and Christian Blumenfeld might all race like an early season Ironman race. Um, whereas if, as long as the T100 tours around, you've, it's very unlikely that you're going to get all of them in the same Ironman race. Maybe, you know, maybe we still have like Sam Laidlow does Roth and he does, and he does Kona or maybe Magnus Ditlev still does, you know, Cairns and, and Kona, but I don't think you'll get them all together. That I think that's a big difference. And then I reckon the other difference will be that the podiums will change a little bit and the people who would have come like, you know, third, fourth, fifth in the race will now come first, second, third. But the depth behind it, you're right. I don't think it will change like drastically. I think it'll just be like the the big names, like, you know, Sam Laidlaw yeah. or Magnus Ditlev. If they go to an Ironman race, they're going to win it or come second or third, most likely. Um, Sam obviously can be a bit inconsistent, but at his best. Um, and I just don't think you're going to get those big names or like – Laura Phillip, for example, she goes to an Ironman race. She usually wins it or comes second or third, whereas she might not be there. So it opens up another slot um, on the podium. That's that's how I sort of see it. Lewis, oh, Lewis Owen Stritch. God, these names are always hard. Uh, Lewis, <laughs> Lewis Owen Stritch asks, do you think a T100 race can be won if you don't swim in the front pack? Nope. I don't think so. Really? Post Podium, yes, it's possible, but even for that, you will have to ride like Magnus. Um, but I think even for him, I don't know. I think um, if you just watch how the level of racing progressed in the last two, two years, um, it's just getting harder and harder, and I think this year it will be even harder and... Um, I think you have to be in the front pack too if you want, really want to win uh, win the race. So you're talking for the men there, not men and women. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm talking for the men there, yeah. What do you think for the, for the women? No, for the women, I mean, for the women, I think it's, it's still possible. 
Well, well, if we look in 2023, let's go through the men's races. So Max Newman won the European Open. He swam front pack. Yeah, front um, pack. Jan Fredino won the US Open. He swam front pack. Christian Blumenfeld won uh, the Asian Open. He swam front pack. So um, the, uh, who was the was Gustav Eden the last guy not to swim front pack and, and win a PTO race? Um, it was Canadian Open, right? Yes. Was. Yeah. Or even if you went to Miami before that. And Colin, even yeah, Colin was also in the front pack. Mm, but Colin was in the front did. pack. Yeah, he was he was a good athlete, Colin Chartier. <laughs> uh, <laughs> by the way, of the five hundred and twenty odd questions we got sent in, at least twenty of them were about Colin. <laughs> he still just everyone wants to hear about Colin. Uh, I think he's just still ch- chilling out, skiing somewhere around him. So not much up to update there. Um, but yeah, the women for sure, you can do it. Like 100%, you can win it. Like Ash Gentle probably won't make every front pack swim if Lucy Charles is there. In fact, what are we even defining as the front pack in the women's races? Because I, I guess technically it's wherever Lucy is and she's probably going to be yeah, by true. herself a bit. Maybe, it's a small front pack. Yeah, maybe Taylor Nib might be with her. Maybe like, you know, who knows? Who Like she could be by herself in every single swim really. So unless you think Lucy's going to win every race, then – yeah, you can definitely still win it as a as a female. Um, I think you can in the male race, Fred. By the way, I've thought about this a bit. I think it's going to be very hard, but I think Jason West can definitely still win a race if he comes out with a, a sixty second, um, you know, deficit to the front of the race. Especially if people like yourself and Magnus are in the race. Um, like it's going to be hard if everyone's there because obviously you're going to have like the Sam Laidlow, Alistair Brownlee driven front pack, which is going to be very hard to catch. And it's going to have like Aaron Royal in there and it'll just have, and Martin Van Riel, like it, it will just have a lot of firepower. But I think there is going to be some races where that group that's 60 seconds back-ish will get back into the race just because that front group doesn't have the depth. Maybe more um, because of uh, the fact that that front pack isn't its strongest, you know, maybe it's the one around Kona or maybe it's Singapore or Miami that, that maybe aren't going to have as strong fields as, say, the grand final. Um, I think winning the grand final, the swim front pack is where it's going to be. But no, I still reckon you can. I mean, I'm not saying it's, it's definitely impossible. Impo- um, and of course, it's just going to be crazy hard. But from my experience, even this, I mean, I was always in this uh, chase chase group, 45 to 60 seconds back, and it's it got so hard to almost impossible to close this gap. And I was one of the few athletes to um, keep it like um, within uh, like under under two minutes, um, let's say now at the, the US Open, for example. And, um, yeah, I think anyone else which is going to lose so much, like also Jason West, if he, um, yeah, probably is going to will ride uh, even better this year and also maybe swim even better. Uh, so, yeah, I think if he wants to win a race out of the chase pack, even he has to really, um, yeah, up his level on the bike to uh, not lose uh, so much time. One of my favorite stories from last year was the US Open where, you were sort of um, like there was that front swim pack that had Matthias in it and and Jan in it and Christian in it and they went a bit psycho on the bike and were riding crazy hard and there... actually Matthias wasn't in it. No, he, he rode up to it. He managed to uh, to ride up there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But so so for the story I'm telling, he was in the front bike pack at the time of yeah. the story where yes. you and Magnus were still a little bit back from the lead and magnus rode past you and he's like okay come on fred let's pick it up let's let's go catch them now and you look down at your power meter and you're holding 400 watts when he says that 
Yeah. Like, oh, I can't really pick it up. I'm riding 400 It was watts. actually, he was overtaking me while I was overtaking um, the group with uh, Daniel Beckiger, Josh Amberger. Um, I don't know who was in there yet. So I was overtaking. So I was already pushing hard uh, to overtake it, like this long um, yeah, line with all 20 meters um, in, in, the, in a possible time. And yeah, then he passed me basically third row and said, come on, let's, let's attack. And just <laughs> rode away. Uh, yeah, that's going to be the key. If you can, if you're someone who's not in the front pack, you just got to ride with Magnus. It's not even that hard. He'll get you to the front. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ari and Penny have recently been on a training camp together, as you've heard about here on the Chase Pack. And throughout the camp, Ari was exclusively using precision fuel and hydration. And he said it's the best nutritional product he's ever used in his life. Ari loves the PF30 caffeine gel. He literally doesn't stop talking about it on camp. And he also uses and loves the PF90 gel and the flow gel. Um, he, he's used their drink mix as well and their sodium tablets. So he, he uses a lot of it, but his favorite by far is the PF30 caffeine gel. Um, he's been using them every single day while he's been on his Australian method camp. And his experience with precision fuel and hydration was the same as mine. He, he sort of tried it and he was like, oh, this stuff's good. And then he tried it a bit more. And after a few times using the gels, he started to think, okay, these things are definitely the best gels I've ever used. And he was talking to me about it. And I said, mate, that's exactly the same um, reaction I had. Like after you've used it two or three times, you go, oh, I don't think I'm ever going to be using another gel again. Uh, the, the reasons why is they taste great. They have a texture that's just so much better than any other gel I've ever had. Like they're not too thick. They're not too thin. They don't have that like hard to get down jelly texture that a few gels have now. They just, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just this really perfect um, texture that they've nailed uh, and it's really easy to get down. Um, they're, they're super easy to open. They don't get messy or sticky and they haven't ever upset my gut. And Ari said the same thing about his gut, that he hasn't had a single issue while he's been using it on camp. So if you're not sure yourself on what nutritional products to use for your training or on race day, then I reckon you should make sure you try precision fuel and hydration for yourself. Um, I, I just think there's a high chance it becomes your go-to training and race day nutritional product. Um, yeah, I love it. Ari loves it. And I hope you do too. And if you do decide to try it for yourself, then make sure you use the discount code TTH15 for 15% off your first order. Josue Andre asks, who are both of your picks to win the T100 Tour? I like this. Um, we were talking about this during the week, actually, Fred. So we yeah. we didn't mean to prepare for this, but we both already gave each other our picks. Um, and we, we do have different picks. Uh, I, I'm going to pick Jason West. And for the women? Uh, for the women, I'm. Oh, this is the one I keep changing my mind about. I, like I find the women's, the women's T100 Tour Series really hard to pick because I think... Oh, I think, I think Taylor Nibb's the best in the world. I think her at her best, no one can beat her. But I think she's going to target the Olympics. And I reckon that maybe that might mean that there's some races that other people can win. And, and even though I reckon Taylor's probably the favorite to win the grand final, I still think that her racing the Olympics opens the door for other people. So I think Taylor's the best, but I'm just not going to pick her because I, I, I'm expecting Lucy Charles Barclay to have a massive year and, and I think that Lucy Charles Barclay will win the women's. What about you? Um, for the men, I've got Martin van Riel and for the women, I've got Ashley Gentle. The Martin van Riel one, because I think he's a real chance as well, but my question to you is the Olympics thing again. So he's on one of those contracts where he doesn't have to race the same amount as you. He can race less. 
So that means that for him to win it, he basically has to get it right every time. Um, and, and considering he's going to be preparing for the Olympics, do you think that that's possible? I think maybe he's going to race uh, one uh, before the Olympics already. Um, uh, I mean, he could already race um, like early and then pre- still prepare for, for the Olympics very well. Um, I mean, I don't know how it is for him with the, with the qualification, if he's already qualified. Um, but, but yeah, I think he's a really, um, yeah, consistent athlete as well. He will always be there at the, the front peg on a swim. He can ride with the front and he can run really fast. So I think even if he's only got these four shots after the Olympic games, I think, uh, he will be able to win it. Of course, it's just, uh, um, yeah, theoretically, but maybe interesting it's my pick and why ashley gentle um because she'd be one of the um few athletes really focus only on the t100 series yeah, like like you said um taylor nip she has the olympic games um i don't know if she even does uh kona as well <laughs> probably not would be a bit, bit too much um and yeah i think she's on the 100 kilometer distance she's um I think a bit stronger than Lucy Charles. Yeah, they, they were the two, like they were the three for me. Arning Haug, for, for some reason, even though I'm pretty sure at her best, she might still be close to the best or like... But she's also um, racing Kona as well. Uh, nice, yeah. She's also not 100% as Nice, sorry. I mean, I, I think so. I'm actually oh, not sure about that. But I, I know. Think so. I think so too. I think that she's the favorite to win Nice, but we might come back to that. Um, yeah, the women's one is fascinating because the men's i reckon there is really only three maybe two or three people who i believe can win it but the women's yeah like i reckon imagine if we have a race where lucy taylor ash and arn and then you throw in like people like flora duffy are all at their absolute best and and show up at the start line at their absolute best that's that's probably the peak of triathlon in 2024 i don't think there's a more exciting race than that yeah, I can't can't wait to watch all the women racing at, at the PTO. Um, that's the only thing I wanted a contract is to watch women women races on the um, locations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, we're going to come back to a few other reasons why maybe you want a contract uh, <laughs> when you found out that Las Vegas was uh, one of the races. Um, next question: Matthias Zuket asks, "Are any of the hot shots a chance to win a single T100 Tour race?" Of course. Um, I mean, on the men's side, you got Alistair Brownlee. You should never count them out. Javier Gomez. Um, it's gonna definitely gonna be really interesting. Um, but I think if he's in top shape, even he will be able to to win a such race. Rico Bogen. I mean, he proved it at seventy point three worlds that he's an athlete you shouldn't underestimate. And Martin Van Riel. Yeah, all of them could win potentially win one. And then for for the women. Um, uh lucy byram i mean yeah if if the i think she probably needs like a really solid day and good um uh race playing into her cards um but and then who who else you got taylor spivey um yeah we we actually don't know how she performs in that distance and uh, flora duffy i mean 100% 100% she could win one. And uh, who was the fourth one? Oh, yeah, Amelia Watkinson. Yeah, I mean, all of all of the hot shots, they are hot shots for a reason. 
and um, I think all of them could potentially win a T100 race. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think all of them could potentially. Like, I don't think Amelia could win one. Um, Taylor Spivey, like, I just think she probably can't win one this year. Like, sure, she has a she her swim's probably good enough that it'll put her in a decent position. But if Lucy's there, like, that makes things tough. Her run's probably good enough, although you know, 18k, it's it's like not as long as a half marathon, but it's still a, a long run. Um, the bike though, mate, like if Taylor's in a race and if Lucy's in a race, I think it might play out all a bit too tricky for Taylor Spivey without actually going and, and having dedicated a year to it. But who knows, maybe she is doing that behind the scenes. I just I just think it'll be tricky. Like it would surprise me. Um, but she also might be one of the, the best athletes at this distance in the world and we just don't know it yet. So um, with her, I'm not saying she can't win one. I just think it's probably unlikely. Um, Lucy Byram, she's, you know, on a course like Singapore, she could get away on the bike. But um, I think, yeah, like you said, a race would need to play out um, in the right way. But she's a she's a super talent, um, Lucy Byram. So, you know, I'm never going to put – I'm never going to say she can't win, win a race because she definitely can. We know Flora is, is a beast. Um, she hasn't had the best middle distance or long distance career yet. You know, she come – um, top five of the 70.3 world championships but she can definitely um, she can definitely get it right imagine riding off Flora Duffy and the men's obviously yeah Alistair and uh, Martin Van Riel could both win a race if they got one right Martin could win multiple races I think um, Rico it's probably unlikely he can win a race and Javier I I gotta say here like I think Rico doesn't get the respect he deserves because I was in both races at the US Open and at the Ironman 73 world championship and I have to say, Rico's performance at St. Grand World Championship was at least as good as Jan Frodeno's performance at the US Open. <sighs> so people are really underestimating him, I think. Well, you were there, so we can't argue with you. Like, how can we argue with you? You, you were I there, think you the saw The problem it. is, like, he, uh, he, def- he def- didn't ha- um, back it up yet. So he just didn't prove it at any other race. He just had this, like, one race with this crazy performance. So he's... Def, but he's definitely going to be an uh, athlete to watch out for. I just think the distance is the thing. Like, I, I think the run is such a factor in these T100 races. And I think he doesn't quite have the run of the level of, say, uh, a Martin Van Riel or a Jason West. Um, well, he's going to be off the bike with the front pack. And he ran uh, 111 on a really hard course in uh, the St. Grand Street Worlds. So, yeah, I think also that like, Martin, for example, um, yeah, he definitely can can run even faster. Um, but I think on a, yeah, when let's say Rico has a good day, um, the race plays into his cards. Martin maybe doesn't have his best day or something. So, yeah, I, I probably shouldn't say he can't win it because you definitely just convinced me he can win one. The, the the problem I was picturing is he would need he would need things to play out very well and maybe Singapore where there's not as many people there it could happen you just made me realize that that could definitely happen so shouldn't write him off but if everyone's there right if he comes off the bike with Max Newman and and Martin Van Riel for example I like I reckon he'd have to have a very good day to beat both of them in a head-to-head run race. If Jason West is within 60 to 90 seconds, he's going to have to have a very good day. Even people like Sam Long, like if Sam Long's thereabouts, you know, like I reckon he's probably a slightly better runner than Rico. So the, the way I see Rico having to win a race is he has to be off the bike with a select group, exactly like the 70.3 World Championships, say with people like yourself and Magnus 
um, and maybe like who else might be there, like Alistair. Um, and, and then he just has to be like the best runner of a group of good runners, but not Jason West or Christian Blumenfeld or Max Newman level runners. Do, do you agree with that or do you not see it like that? Uh, no, yeah, of course, if all athletes would come down, like all 20 athletes, um, he's not definitely not the fastest fastest runner from, from all um, athletes racing the T100 Tour. I agree with that. Um, but I think um, that's what we talked about before. Um, I think the winner will always be still from, from that front pack. Um, and Rico will be one of these athletes who will always swim with the front pack and bike with the front pack. And that's already such a like good situation to be in that you you won't need the fastest runtime. Like I mean, fastest runtime probably always Jason West gonna gonna have. Um, just always depends how far he's he's back from that front pack. Um, but yeah, you're a hundred percent right there. Just for the record, yeah. you're a hundred percent right. You've changed my mind. He he can actually win. <laughs> he can actually win one. You're right. And yeah, silly of me to underestimate him. So thank you for for schooling me there. Yeah, their season's going to be really exciting. Oh, yeah, LJ Corps asks, who were the least deserving male and female to get a PTO contract? <laughs> this is where me and you not being the one. So, like, for, for if, the, if it's your first time tuning in, me and Fred, we, well, we put the Instagram story out there, but we don't pick the questions because if we did, we would definitely leave this question off, uh, <laughs> uh, which is probably the point why we don't pick them and why we get someone else to pick them so that we can leave the tricky questions in. And we do have rules here that we give our honest opinion and we don't sit on the fence. So this one's tricky because it's going to definitely offend someone. Um, uh, we also don't do prep beforehand, so we haven't had any time to think about it. Um I hate to do this because I actually think there's not a single person in either the men's or the women's who doesn't deserve it. So we need to say that as the caveat. I think the men's and women's field, every single of one of the 40 athletes racing, I think deserves their spot. So it's just the least deserving of a good bunch, really. I think, oh, maybe for the women, oh, I hate to do this because I love her so much. Uh, I think Sky Munch is the least likely to win one of the races. Uh, I think she's, I think she's far more suited to Ironman distance. And I actually have her as one of the favourites to win Nice this year if she wants to go and uh, go and race it and take it seriously. But I think she's the least likely to win. Does that make her the least deserving? She had a great year last year. Maybe, oh, maybe Amelia. I don't know. I mean, but, least is, yeah. Just to make it clear, like least deserving doesn't mean she doesn't or he doesn't deserve it. No. Like obviously the top, the top 16, they qualified over the ranking and they are there for a reason um, because they are the best, like, yeah, on the top 16 uh, in the world. And the hot shots obviously also are there for, they got the wild cards for, for a reason. So everyone who is in the, uh, in the series definitely deserves it. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that Taylor doesn't, Taylor Spivey is the least deserving in quotation marks because she hasn't even done any middle distance or mm -hmm. long distance races that's actually yeah. there's probably a strong yeah. argument for that either way like that's bloody tricky because that women's field is so deep like sky deserves it but i just maybe she's just the least likely to win a race and then the men's i've, I've got one for the men okay tell me um and he knows that that i love him uh leon chevalier so it's it's nothing against him, but you just have to look at his best three races. They're all Ironmans. Yeah, 
and also he was, I think, last or almost last at um, European Open. I'm not sure. But yeah, sorry, Leon. It doesn't mean that you don't deserve the spot. And uh, I love Leon. Yeah. I'm it's... Happy, really happy to see him at the races. And it's really cool that he is actually um, racing. I was actually surprised that he signed a contract because I thought he might be one of the athletes going for the um, Ironman series. Um, so yeah, will be will be great, uh, great for him. I think I agree with you. I I just look. I was just looking at the list there, and I sort of had it nailed down to three people who I thought were least deserving. Um, the men's is a bit easier than the women's. I think Leon's definitely one of those three because yeah, I think he came like twenty. He was around you last year, wasn't he, at the European Open? Maybe like twenty first, twenty second, twenty third, something like that. And he's good. His best result last year was like you know his world championships uh, fifth at Nice probably and his win at like Cozumel or South Africa, all Ironman races, like you said. He has had some good 70.3 results, but not near the level of his of his Ironman races. So maybe him. Um, I also reckon David McNamee is, is up there. Uh, but he had a good, like I was so surprised at how good his race was at the US Open. So I actually probably have him as more deserving than Leon. Um, uh <laughs> Keep in mind, I think they're both very deserving and I'm actually um, really excited they're both in there. And then the real interesting one, Fred, is Javier Gomez. Does he deserve his spot? Um, well, I think it's great to have him and Alistair Brownlee. I think it's the same for Alistair. Um, it's, it's great to have them racing this first T100 tour and they most likely uh, won't race anymore the following years, I think. So, and, and it's, it's great for the spectators. Like everyone knows them. Everyone who knows triathlon knows Javier Gomez and Alistair Brownlee. And um, yeah, it's, it's just maybe a great narrative over the season. Um, both of them battling it out on the on the 100K distance. So I, I think it's definitely great. But yeah, if you, we talk about deserving, I think there are other athletes who deserve it more than Alistair and Javier. Yeah, exactly. Because Alistair's probably my favorite athlete of all time and, and largely because of his battles with Javier Gomez. So as a fan, I'm really happy they're racing and like super yeah. excited about it. But if you just look at it as deserving, like the question is, maybe Javier doesn't really deserve it. Like his results over middle distance and long distance have been really ordinary compared to the rest of the sport for the last two, three, four years, you know, and especially compared to his peak where he's a two-time 70.3 world champion, five-time ITU world champion. Like his resume makes him one of the most deserving of all time. But, you know, as of right now in 2024, maybe he is, isn't as deserving as someone like a Mika Newt, for example, who is probably, you know, had better results over the last two years. Um, Oh, geez, that's a tough question though, because it always makes us look like um, assholes, no matter what. But, but got to answer it. Well, we 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 didn't sit on the fence. That's what we wanted. Yeah, I know, I know. But I think the takeaway is I don't actually think there's anyone who's not deserving. There might be people who are slightly more deserving who could have been in there, but I don't think any of the forty are not deserving. Win Republic has just unveiled their lineup of professional triathletes for the highly anticipated 2024 triathlon season. Among the athletes joining forces with Win Republic are Ashley Gentle, Chelsea Sodaro, Lionel Sanders, Braden Curry, Leon Chevalier, Josh Amberger, Aaron Royal, Susie Cheatham, Jocelyn McCauley, Sam Appleton, and Rebecca Clark. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. The list goes on, with many more exceptional athletes set to be wearing Win Republic tri suits in 2024. 
Win Republic has forged partnerships with these specific world-leading professional triathletes, aiming to support and empower them in their journey towards achieving their goals in 2024 and beyond. This collaboration presents an exciting opportunity for Win Republic to leverage their extensive and detailed analysis and knowledge of aerodynamic, hydrodynamic, and ergonomic testing. The invaluable feedback, encompassing both men and women and middle and long-distance athletes, has the ultimate goal to further enhance Win Republic's industry-leading aero tri-suit range. At Win Republic, excellence is their standard. They work with the best to bring you the best tri-suits in the world of triathlon. So, whether you're a seasoned athlete or an aspiring triathlete enthusiast, be sure to check out Win Republic for the latest updates, insights, and top-notch gear that will elevate your triathlon experience to new heights in 2024. And if you do find yourself wanting to try any of their tri-suits, cycling, running apparel, anything for yourself, use the discount code TTH15 for 15% off at their website. Yeah. Anyway, next question. Um, Pierre-Marie.Pordeaux. How do you say that in French, Fred? I can't speak French either. Pardon. Pardon. Pierre-Marie.Pordeaux asks... Can anyone explain why Gustav Eden isn't racing the T100 tour? Was he not offered a contract or did he reject a contract? Well, I can't explain it. I have no idea if he's got um, offered a contract um, and if he rejected it. I think he was offered a contract for the record. So then he actually rejected it, you think? I think. I'm not certain, but I'm led to believe that if he wanted a spot on the tour, Gustav Eden did have a spot on the tour. Um, so I'm, I'm, I am... I am told that it was because Gustav didn't want it. You think it's because he's still going all in for Olympic Games, which is really, really hard for him. I think he's also still injured. Yeah, I think if I had to guess, I do not know. My best guess would be that Gustav isn't at his best still. And so he doesn't think he can be competitive for the whole year of T100. I think that if, if I'm just putting myself in the Norwegian camp, I think that Gustav needs a bit more time. I think he'll probably likely target Kona at the end of the year. I think he like that's probably the thing that he has on the horizon is like, I want to get right. I want to get healthy and fit, get back into my training and try and win Kona. Um, I don't think I can be competitive at all the T100 races. I don't want to go through what I went through at Singapore again. Like I don't want to go into these races unfit, under underprepared, have shitty results, start hating the sport. So I think what he's probably done is taken a step back and gone, okay, let me get my body right. Let me get fit and healthy. Let me to put in a few good training camps over the first half of the year. Maybe he still tries and, and targets the Olympics. Maybe he goes and does those races and sees, sees what happened. I'm hearing that he might be racing Challenge Roth. I'm hearing that he might be racing Kona. So I think they're probably just like taking a step back, trying to get him back to his best and then going to target, you know, one, two, three big races throughout the year rather than go and try and race a whole T100 uh, tour series where it's probably going to be a little bit too much. But that, that's my, probably my best guess. Yeah, smart decision for sure if it was like that. Yeah. Hopefully he gets back though. ABX does three asks, with the announcement of the PTO contract athletes, who do you think are the favorites to win the Ironman World Championships? Let's just pick our winners there. Before we get to that, did you just say ABX does tree? It definitely does try. Sorry, does try. It's the German in me. <laughs> it's, like, it's, just, it's the sport we're talking about, Fred. <laughs> yeah well i'm still german uh, oh that's funny what do you call it triathlon it's triathlon yeah what Tri triathlon triathlon <laughs> really you don't say triathlon German lessons here 
Wow. That's blowing my mind. Um, speaking of Germany, unlucky. Probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest triathlon countries in the world. Unlucky not to have a T100 race, I would have thought. I think there will be one in the future because it's like a big market uh, like for triathlon. Do you think that Germany is the biggest triathlon market in the world or do you think it's America or Great Britain? I mean, yeah, America is a much bigger country. Um, but I think Germany is bigger than Great Britain from triathlon market. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to tell, but you definitely got like uh, really like huge um, triathlon yeah, fan base and athletes um age group athletes and everything in germany and we also got like really big races so yeah germany is definitely really huge in triathlon sorry to interrupt your question mate but yeah um my picks for the ironman world championships are for the women at nice i think that arnie Haug's the favorite um and we're, we're only going to pick one aren't we we won't discuss why because there's like four people who i want to talk about there but if i had to pick one i think annie Haug um, wins that on the run i think she limits her gap on the bike on that course will be will be behind by a bit but we'll have a really good run i think that run course suits her in the heat uh and the men's like i'm not picking against sam Laidlow. Who, who are your favorites for both uh, men's and women's ironman world championships fred we also wrote about it this week and i wrote you for the women uh laura Phillip. Uh, I think the course really suits her. Um, she was actually um, mountain biking, um, I, I think maybe even professionally. So, um, yeah, she's really good on, on the technical part. And, yeah, that course with the uh, hilly bike course definitely really suits her. And she's a strong runner. Um, so I think Laura Phillip for the, for the women. And for the man, I actually wrote you Gustav Eden. So I think he he will come back and then focus on Kona and win that race again. That would be massive. If if Gustav Eden's fit, you would never pick against him. But yeah. He um, knows how to win it. In, yeah, I know. It's just can he get back there? That's the big question. Does he yeah, want course, does he want to get back the there? Yes. Yeah. Because if he, if Gustav Eden's there and he's fit and he's like twenty twenty two, he'll win it for sure, I reckon. But I don't know. Sam Laidlow. Max Newman, to me, they just look a little bit hungrier. And I, I don't know, something something changed in Gustav's life a bit. Maybe the personal situations he's going through, maybe it's just injury, maybe it's a combination of everything. But um, don't know, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if he wants it as badly as he as he did in 2022 when he was the best triathlete I think I've ever seen. So, um, yeah, watch this space. Um, McCann Sorsha asks, you can only pick one male and one female. Who will win Paris? Um, for the male, I think I make a pick. Maybe not so many athletes, uh, not so many fans are picking. I say Morgan Pearson. And for uh, the women, I say Beth Potter. Okay, so I, I don't see Morgan winning it. Um, for the men, I just can't pick against Alex Yee after what he did at the test event there. Uh, I know the Frenchies are going to be racing hard and Hayden Wilde's there, but I think, yeah, I think Alex Yee is still my favorite. And the women, like, I don't, I have no idea. I literally have no idea who's going to win the women's race. Um, I'm going to, oh, 
maybe more just because I want to see her win it. Like I think that uh, she might be my favorite short course athlete, Georgia Taylor Brown. I don't even know if I think she she can win it though, but I really want to see her win it. So I'll go with Georgia Taylor Brown. Uh, although I reckon you're a genius if you can pick that female race. Like if you can pick it right now, you yeah you're into short course way more than I am. Do do like do you look at that and think Beth Potter's an obvious favorite, Fred? Oh, no. I mean, there's still, uh, of course, Cassandra Bougro as well. I mean, they were battling it out at most of the races uh, last last season. And, yeah, for the women, there's always so much change every year. Like, then there's some injury from athletes and then the others come back um, to the top. So, yeah, definitely. But, but you can't pick the, the man as well. Like, it could be anyone also. French guys, Hayden, Alex, Morgan, Pearson. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's pretty much all the questions wrapped up, Fred. That was uh, some good discussion. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, we got some more questions, but you brought me down here in the end. Keep in mind, I didn't write these questions, but the person who does, who I won't say who it is, but someone goes onto the Instagram and, and gets the questions. And uh, they did have a few more questions, a few more questions that they put in. Do we wanna do we wanna read them out though? Like I won't answer them one by one, but I can read the questions out because right. they're they're quite funny. All right, read them. So I I, I would just skip on the names. Uh, <laughs> will, will racing the T one hundred series affect Fred's OnlyFans careers? Will Fred make enough money from the T100 series to quit his kinky side business? <laughs> How will the T100 interfere with Fred's stripping career? Is Fred's contract <laughs> worth more than his annual revenue on OnlyFans? <laughs> will quit strip, Fred quit stripping after getting the PTO contract or will the additional dollars help bring his stripping to the next level? <laughs> will Eurosport allow Fred to do any stripping live on TV <laughs> at the T100 race? <laughs> <laughs> and someone someone asked uh, you to ask me about um the german stripping train <laughs> <laughs> and if i got offered a job stripping at las vegas why why is there for the t100 tour would you say yes <laughs> <laughs> and is fred wearing a t-shirt right now <laughs> <laughs> We don't, oh, we don't have the videos on now. Are you wearing a t-shirt? You usually don't for our podcasts. Yeah, of course, no, nothing. Always completely naked. Oh my god, that's disgusting. That's how I run around. That's how I walk around at home. People think we're joking, but you literally never wear shirts for when we do podcasts. It's like, yeah, I always, never. I always have to like, like when I'm looking at the laptop screen, I always like minimize the Zoom call so I don't have to look at your nipples the whole time. Oh man, that's so funny though. Like, um. Uh, the person who um, does, like goes through and looks at all the, the questions sent in, he said there was over a hundred questions about your stripping and he just picked like, I think it was like 15 or 20 of them. <laughs> over a hundred about you being naked or your OnlyFans or your stripping. Or, well, just I, I can definitely say one, one thing. Um, I actually um, take a break on, in my stripping career this year because the PTO contract is, is, is paying good. I won't stop my OnlyFans. No worries about that. So their the annual rev, annual revenue is still really still too good to just quit that. But yeah, the stripping I take aside because I'm also into into politics now um, because I got elected into the PTO athlete sport as well. Did you? 
I have to I have to be a bit more serious, you know. Wow! Congratulations, mate. Talk, talk to me about that. You so the PTO Athletes Board has changed this year, has it? Uh, I mean, yeah, there were like two new spots for um, the men and one spot for the women. Right. So, uh, who is the Athlete Board in twenty twenty four then? So it's uh, Laura Siddle. David McNamee, who got uh, elected with me um, into it now as well. Then our president, Aaron Royal. <laughs> uh, Ruth Essel, Paula Findlay, Timothy O'Donnell, and uh, Matt Hansen. I mean, that's at least from the last mail list. I don't know if there are more, but I think that's that's it. So did you like volunteer to go on the board? How did it all work? How did you get that position? Yeah, it's uh, it's like you can volunteer. Anyone can volunteer. Um, even athletes outside of the um, top top fifty, like literally any athlete, um, can volunteer. And then, yeah, you just get. But only the top fifty um, can um, elect um, the the people. And um, I think as higher you up in the rank, as more your um, your um, yeah, who you elect counts. So I think the like the first first like Christian Blumenfeld, if he elects me, I think I get like uh, seven points or something like that. Whilst when the the fiftieth athlete elects me, I get like one point, and it's it's like that basically. And yeah, it was Laura Siddle who got re-elected. She was already an athlete sport, and uh, David McNamee and me and myself um, who are new to the athlete sport. So just so I have this right, there's like you get sent an email for everyone gets sent an email like all professional triathletes get to send an email from the pto where you can reply and be like yep i want to nominate myself for the athletes yeah, board exactly. yes and then once that happens an email gets sent out to all of the top 50 and they all have to like vote one person of the nominate of the nominees or one male and one female do you know how that works I think you could elect two male and two fe- uh, two male and one female. You could elect. Okay, and, yeah. and so, and then it's just whoever has the highest tally of votes um, gets yeah, in. Exactly. Right. Do you know how many? Did you who won the vote? Was it you, Laura, or David? Um, I mean, I don't know about the women. I just know about uh, the man. Uh, David had more votes than me. Right. So, do you know, or can you say maybe? Maybe you can't say this, but who was the third most? Who was the like the so David had the most, you had the second. Who was the next most who missed out on the board? It was Josh Amberger. Josh would have been good. Josh would have been very yeah. good, actually. That's some good candidates. David and you will be great, like both very level headed, good opinions, uh, not too like emotional. Uh, my big question is do you, do you support Aaron Royal as uh, president of the athlete board or will there be like potentially a bit of a Hunger Games uprising type of thing now that you're there? No, of course. That's why I got myself uh, elected to the athlete's board because I kind of want to start a revolution because I'm not okay with, with the current president of the athlete's board. So I want to take him down from a throne. <laughs> First Yuri Kuehl <laughs> and now Aaron Royal. Fred's coming for everyone in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> I actually meet him next week in Girona. Aaron is coming as well. Oh, really? Wait, doesn't Yuri live in Girona as well? Uh, yep, I think so. God, okay. There's a high chance one of Fred or, or Yuri doesn't make it to their next start line if they come across each other on a bike ride. Oh, drama, drama, drama. Um, 
Are you speaking of Miami's in three weeks' time from now? Uh, four weeks, three weeks. Are you going to be there? Are you racing? Well, I'm definitely not racing. Um, that's the only race I'm going to skip from all the T100 races because for me it's just a tiny bit too early. Gonna start with Singapore. Um, so yeah, beginning of March, I would have to train differently now in February. Would already have to hit the race pace sessions on the TT and everything. And I'm just not there yet. So um gonna skip that one. But um actually maybe um I have to go. Um it's not sure yet, I think, but uh because there is uh this athlete sport meeting, the only athlete sport meeting of the year, which is like in person. Um yeah, we got that information already before we could um yeah nominate ourselves for, for the athlete sport. And um yeah. So maybe I have to fly over, but then I would really only fly for that one day. But I kind of still hope I don't have to. Right. Well, Miami, good weather, mate. Nice beaches. Good place to have your shirt off. So hopefully we see you there. But if not, we'll see you at Singapore for sure. Uh, good episode, mate. Some tricky questions. Um, some, you know, I still feel bad about that least deserving one, especially because I said Sky and I love her so much. But Hopefully she'll forgive me. All right. Uh, good chatting to you, Fred. Um, like we've, we've already said in our last episode, me and Fred are going to be doing one of these uh, every month for the rest of the year. Maybe sometimes we might do more than one a month, but we're going to lock in uh, at least one uh, episode, one podcast every single month where we'll we'll put out some Instagram stories, ask you for your questions about everything that's going on in the triathlon world right now, like current affairs, issues, hot topics, drama, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and we'll do our best to, to give honest uh, opinions and, and answers to your questions and not sit on the fence like we hopefully have today. So um, I'll talk to you next month, Fred. Yeah, it was a great episode and uh, see you latest in Singapore, right? Well, yeah, yep, I'll see you. If you're not in Miami, I'll definitely see you in Singapore. All right. Well, and we're good questions to all the listeners and whoever asked the questions. Thank you. Yes, and thank you for sending them in. There was This was the most we've ever got. So please, when we put them out there, the more questions that you guys sent in, the easier it makes us to makes it to pick good questions. So yeah, definitely don't feel afraid to send in your question. And if you don't want us to say your name, just when you send in your question, also send us a message and say, don't say our name. But otherwise, we will give you credit for the question. So yep, we'll, we'll see you in a month's time. Bye.